0: Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Good evening. How are you all? Good. It was a nice day. It felt like summer today, didn't it? I thought it felt like summer. See, when we were in Texas for Christmas, um, it's weird because it was in the 40s, but it felt so much colder. But I think when we come back here to PA and we experience these teen degrees, it's like 40 feels like summertime. It's like, I don't need a coat today. I loved it. So we're always thankful for the sunshine, but I am. Um, I just want to welcome all of you that are guests with us this evening, and um, we're so happy that you're here with us tonight. If you are a guest, we would love to give you a free gift. We have a coffee mug, and um, just fill out the card that's in the seat back in front of you, and take it to the info center desk when you um, leave today, and we'll make sure and get you your free gift. And then I also want to welcome our online audience tonight. I'm so glad that you're joining us, whether it's from Facebook or Summit PA church, um, We're happy to have you. And um, and then also, if you have kids in the room and they get fussy, we just wanted to let you know we have an, an amazing kids ministry um, that is right out these doors. There's also a nursing mother's room for those of you who are newer moms. Um, there is one back there. You can also take your kids out into the lobby if they just— are gonna hate my preaching tonight, okay? Um, And you can watch that in the screens out there. But we are just so happy that you are here with us. Um, How many of you have been with us since the beginning of this New Year New Yin series? How many of you have made it to all of them? Awesome. So that's what our series is. Of course, I'm from Texas, so saying yens sounds very strange (laughs) to me. I'm used to saying y'all, and I still say y'all all all the time, Um, but we thought it would be kind of fun to throw in the yens with this series, and really what we've been talking about is freedom And this is just a topic that I have been extremely passionate about, um, really because I think there are so many people who live in this world that are Christians, that occupy our churches, but they're still walking in bondage, and they're still walking in change. And I know for me, about nine years ago, I really realized that there were still some things in my life that I just couldn't shake— And I went through a freedom class and um, really dove into what Christ came and truly did for us when He died on the cross, and it truly set me free. And so this is something that I love to speak on, I love to teach on, because it is something that personally for me has changed my life. And so... If you missed it, week one, we just unpacked how we have a spirit and flesh part of us and how they are always at war with one another, and there is a spirit realm that um, a lot of times, depending on what kind of background you have in religion, you may have grown up in a church that um, was like, no, we are never going to talk about spiritual warfare. We're just going to pretend like it doesn't exist and never teach on it, or you can go the other extreme where everything is a devil, everyone is a devil, everything you do is the reason because of a devil. Um, So there's those two extremes, and what we're trying to teach here is a happy middle, and and what we believe is really what Jesus came and died for. Um, And then in week two, we talked about how Satan just lies. That's all he knows to do, He doesn't know to tell the truth. He cannot tell the truth. And so often the thoughts that we have adopted as truth in our lives that are destructive um, are often lies that the enemy has planted. And so we, we talked about how the battle beca- begins in your mind. And I love what Jimmy Evans says about that. He says, until our minds are free, we aren't free. Until the transforming power of the blood of Jesus and the water of his word flow upon our minds, we are in bondage. So tonight we're going to talk about three doors that the enemy primarily uses to make his way into our lives and to put us in bondage. And this will make sense of sometimes why you feel you're always stuck year after year, I don't know about you, but at the beginning of every year, I kind of think about, okay, what what did last year look like? What are some things I want to do differently? What are some things I want to be released from? And then when January 1st hits, it's like, all right, this is a new year, new me, new yens. My life's going to look completely different. The things that held me back aren't going to hold me back any longer. But now that it's January 20th, and some of those things are still popping up that you thought were going to be gone, And you're wondering, gosh, what is wrong with me? I think this will shed light on a lot. That's my prayer and my hope. And um, tonight the main, or really, for this whole series, the main passage of our scripture has been John 8, 31 through 36. And it says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, well, we are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. So how is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin the slave does not remain in the house forever the son remains forever so if the son sets you free you are free indeed and I love that Jesus not only came to die on the cross for our sins but he came to set us free from all bondages to break every chain in our lives so that we can live an abundant life here on this earth and I think the keys here are if we abide in his word then we'll know the truth. We have to know the word of God in order to fight. And that's why it's so important to dive into his word and get to know scripture. See, when you're a Christian, when you've accepted Christ, the enemy no longer has legal rights to you. But, he, but we can open doors that allow him to have a foothold in our lives. A big one is unforgiveness. In Ephesians 4:26 through 28, it says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he might have something to share with anyone in need. So it says, give no opportunity to the devil. In 2 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11, it says, the focus of my letter wasn't on punishing the offender, but on getting you to take responsibility for the health of the church. So if you forgive him, I forgive him. Don't think I'm carrying around a list of personal grudges. The fact is that I'm joining in with your forgiveness as Christ is with us, guiding us. After all, we don't want to unwittingly give Satan an opening for yet more mischief. We're not oblivious to his sly ways. So basically what this is saying is if you hold unforgiveness in your heart towards anyone, we are unwittingly, unwittingly, that's quite the word, unwittingly giving Satan an opening for yet more mischief in our lives. See, the enemy, he's not creative, It's impossible for him to create. All that he does is he takes something that God created and he distorts it to be used for evil instead of good. So he's pretty easy to catch on to, but we just have to know his schemes, and so he typically tries to get us in three areas, and we see this in the life of Jesus when Jesus was taken into the wilderness and tested by the enemy himself, and I think this really proves that this is the way, if the enemy was trying to get this way to Jesus, then this is the way He's going to try to get to us. But in 1 John 2 15 through 17, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So there's three big doors listed in this passage, and the first one is desires of the flesh, which is our passions. In Matthew um, 4 2 through 4, we see that Satan um, tries to tempt Jesus. It says, And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Well, of course, like how many of you would be hungry if you hadn't eaten a meal in 40 days? Yeah, all of you, I'm sure. Okay, so um, so Jesus was hungry, and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, I love that Jesus basically gave us a template. So with everything the enemy tempts us with, we are to use the word of God. Even Jesus used scripture to defeat the enemy. See, Jesus was hungry. I'm gonna take this off. Sorry, it's uh, not working. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Sorry. All right, now that I'm all a mess, this is real here, real life. But that thing was about to go up my nose, so... <laughs> All right, now back to it. (laughs) Jesus was hungry. He had been fasting for 40 days, 40 nights, no food. So the enemy comes at his flesh. He comes at his passions. The enemy says, turn these stones into bread. You're Jesus, you're hungry, just do it. You can turn these stones into bread. And the enemy comes at us in a very similar way through our appetites, It's the thing in you that wants your body to be happy, the thing in you that says, oh, yeah, that feels good. And it always takes how you feel into consideration. And I love teaching people this acronym that I learned a long time ago. But when you are beginning to make a decision or um, act on something that you're not quite sure is godly, you can use this acronym of HALT. Are you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? Because usually if you're one of those four things, you don't need to be trusting your feelings at the moment. Because typically we're going to end up going with what our feelings say is going to relieve our stress at the time, right? Um, And so halt, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. The word of God has to take precedence over our feelings. And if our feelings contradict the word of God, then we need to say, okay, this is not beneficial for me. I don't need to trust my feelings right now because obviously it's not in alignment with God's word and so I need I need to flee. I need to get get out of here. The enemy will always use our appetites, our passion to pull us into activity or into relationship with something that is going to take us away from God every single time. The enemy's sole desire is to get you so far away from God as he can. He wants your life to reflect nothing of Jesus. The whole mantra if it feels good, do it. That's what our world tells us. That's that's not something that we need to listen to. And we can't always trust our feelings. A lot of times, this is through the area of sexuality. He will always try to get you to take a bite or develop an appetite outside of his will. And I love what Havilah Cunnington says. She says, what the enemy can't take from us, he will convince us to give it away. He will convince us that our feelings are so right and that this thing that we want so bad is gonna fulfill us that we'll just give it away. He can't take it from us, but we'll give it away. The second door is desires of the eyes, which is our possessions. And in Matthew 4, 8 through 11, we see that that the enemy tempts Jesus with this. It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. See what the devil did right here is he showed Jesus, all of the kingdoms. He took him up on this hill and he showed him all that Jesus could have, that it could all be his, right? All of this I will give you, Jesus, if you just do what I say. And how many of us buy into that? It's our appetite for greed. I want it all, I want it right now, I want it the second. I don't care what it takes to get it, I'll apply for another credit card, right? Because if I just have this thing, if I just make more money, if I just work harder so I can get another bonus, right? It becomes this thing that can't ever be satisfied. Our American culture, of course, we know that we are deep in debt, not only as a nation, but as individuals. And it's because the world has told us, especially here in America, That if we just obtain, if we just buy that car, it will make us happy. And, of course, commercials and social media do that all the time. They make us think that your possessions will make you happy. And I was watching a Chevrolet commercial, I think that's what it is, recently, And I think it's the new Traverse or something. I don't know. But they pull up this SUV, and um, this person walks up to this new Traverse, and they open the doors, and surprise, it's all of your long-lost family members. Oh, my gosh, this Traverse means family, right? It means you're going to be reunited with your family, and all's going to be great because you have this brand-new loaded Traverse. But you know what I started thinking? I think I need a Traverse. But how many of us do that? The only thing that can satisfy is the love of God. No amount of money, no matter how big your house is, no matter how cars you have, it can never satisfy. Door number three is the pride of life, our position. And in Matthew 4, 5 through 7, so we're gonna jump back a little, we see that the enemy tests um, Jesus here, and he says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put your Lord God to the test. So Satan tells Jesus to throw himself down. And what that means was this was an invitation Um, in the highest point of the temple to literally throw himself down and not die so that the people would believe that he was really the Messiah. So in our lives, this is when we worry about what people think more than we worry about God thinks. We think, man, if I could just have this title at work, then people will respect me. If I can just earn that position on the football team, then people will respect me. If I can just do this, then people will respect me. If I can just get this many likes on Instagram, then that's when I know I've arrived. But the word of God says that he opposes the proud. Our worth This just says, our worth isn't our title or what we do. It's our accomplishments, our accolades. That's a door the enemy uses to get us off track. Tim Keller says, and this will sting you because it did me. He says, if you love anything more than God, even though you believe in God, if there is anything in your life that is more important to your own identity or significance than God, then that is a false God and it is a power in your life. And you can usually tell that something here has become an idol because you have an extreme reaction to it when it is threatened. Can you think of those things in your lives that you don't want to let go of? Maybe that relationship that you know is not godly. Maybe that addiction that you know is keeping you bound. Maybe it's that constant pursuit of likes or that constant pursuit to have things And when it gets threatened, you get angry, and you just about fall apart. There's three ways that we can shut the door, and here's the good news. Because, see, we always win, every single time, because we we fight from a place of victory because Jesus already won it for us. We don't fight from a place of defeat. And this is something that I've had to get in my mind. In fact, just a few weeks ago, I was really battling something, and I was just thinking, man, I am a failure. And I remember God giving me a scripture, and I just just camped on it all day long, and just had this breakthrough, and I was with our Propel Women group, and I remember telling them that Jesus told me, Kim, you win because I won, so you already win, because I reside within you and I'm stronger, so you win, and then the next night, Ronnie Doss was here, last Wednesday, how many of you were here? Yeah, a bunch of you, if you haven't listened to that, go listen to it online, because it's a great example of what lies, the power that they can hold, but he gets up on the stage and he says, I just feel like tonight I'm supposed to say to you guys that you win. And I was like about to fall out of my seat (laughs) because it was just the day before that Jesus told me, Kim, you win. And um, that's the thing. God always provides a way out for us. He wants you to live an abundant life. He wants you to live in the freedom that he has paid the price for. So the first antidote um, to these three doors is integrity. And this is the antidote to passions. And here's the definition of integrity. It says, the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness, or the state of being whole and undivided. See, God isn't asking for our perfection, but he is asking us to be honest. He is asking us not to be two people, he wants us to be whole. He wants us to be who we are, wherever we are, and whoever we're with, always reflecting his glory. And if lust is something you struggle with, if addiction is something you struggle with, you can't fight it by yourself. We try to convince ourselves that we can, but I just wanna encourage you, tell one other person who can disciple you and walk alongside of you. Small groups are a great place to just um, encourage you to live with integrity. And so our small groups just open tonight. Um, you can go on our website and check out what ones we have available. But I will tell you, the people that are involved in small group have community. They have found their people. They have found accountability. And also um, Wednesday nights, we will also be having some equip classes. So Mel and I will be teaching a freedom class um, that I believe everybody in our church should go through. Um, Also, Bill and Sarah Kuchman will be teaching Financial Peace University. But the point is, is to find people that will be truth tellers in love, not in hate or judgment. But find people that will be truth tellers in your life, that they will hold you accountable and they'll grow with you. In Proverbs 5, 7 through 10, it says, And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give her honor, your honor to others, and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength, and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. I want to read this in um, the Passion Translation, too, because it's just so powerful, It says, listen to me, young men. But I would say this is for women too. The scripture doesn't say that, but that's my, it can be applied to all of us. Listen to me, young men. And don't forget this one thing I'm telling you, Run away from her as fast as you can. Don't even go near the door of her house unless you want to fall into her seduction. In disgrace, you will relinquish your honor to another, and all your remaining years will be squandered, given over to the cruel one. Chapters five through seven in Proverbs are ones I would strongly encourage you to read because they are a a warning that God gives us towards adultery, and, um, and I think that it's just such an important passage um, for us all to go to. But um, also Romans 6, 12 through 14 says, That means you must not give sin a boat in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you have been raised from the dead into God's ways of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. So we throw ourselves wholeheartedly and full time into God's way. Again, small groups, having that prayer support. So the big idea for this point of integrity is say yes to God and no to the devil. It's pretty simple, right? (laughs) The enemy will always tell you that there's something better. Just remember, he's a liar. He can't tell the truth. Number two is generosity. And this is an antidote to our possessions. You know, when we give, we are most like God. Because God always gave. He's always freely giving. He's freely giving grace. He freely gave his son. And so when we give, we are most like him. And we have to prioritize generosity in our lives because we give so that it breaks the grip of materialism and possessions off of our lives. Listen, it's okay if you have stuff. It's just not okay if that stuff has you, right? And um, I think Financial Peace University is a phenomenal class. If you are in a lot of debt, it is life- changing. And so I would encourage you to look into that. But the greatest example of generosity that I've witnessed in my life are Mel's parents. Um, Mel's dad retired when he was in his 40s. Like, who does that? His dad did. He was a hard worker. And, um, you know, he had some wealth, but they never once changed their lifestyle of living. They kept the same house His mom still has the same yellow mustard wallpaper. (laughs) They only paid cash for cars. They never got in debt. They never changed the way they lived, but they gave like crazy. They gave to missions insanely. They gave to their church like crazy. Anybody in need, they were giving And they became an example to me of what true generosity is. In Genesis 4, 2 through 7, it says, And again she bore his brother Abel, Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So, what we see in this passage is it wasn't about how much Cain and Abel gave, it was about where it goes first, because you see that that Abel brought the firstborn, he brought the very best. And so this is an example of how we should be faithful in our giving. It shuts the door. And when you don't honor God with your money and giving him what is first, it opens the door for that incessant need for greed. The tithe is a test. And this is the only area God says to test him in. In all other areas, he says, don't test me. But he does say to test him with our money. He gives us everything we have. Everything we have is because God gave it to us. And when we recognize this, it's much easier to release it back to him. I know that's true in my own life. And in Malachi three ten through 11, it says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. So we don't give to get. We don't teach that here. We don't give to get. We're not going to tell you if you give $1,000, you're going to have a $10,000 paycheck in your mail. No, we're not teaching that. That's not the heart of giving. That's not the heart of generosity. We give to honor God and say to him, God, everything that I have is because you gave it to me. So this that I'm giving back to you is already yours. Thank you, God, for giving me these blessings. We give to see that every life is made different in our community and around the world. That's why we give. Our church is tithes. We don't just teach this. It's something that we live out. Our church tithes off of the tithe that you give. We're constantly sending out. We're constantly giving to missionaries. We're constantly giving to other churches Radical generosity is one of our core values. So give God the first of everything. And if you want to read more about the principle of this, um, The Blessed Life by Robert Morris is a phenomenal book. And we might have some at the bookstore, but if we don't, um, you can get it on Amazon. But it's a great resource for this principle, but giving the God the first of everything. The third thing which is really hard sometimes is humility and this is the antidote to pride. We have to practice humility in our lives. Humility, someone said this, I have no idea who, but they said humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So if you're consumed with you all the time, with me, 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 me all the time, that's not humility. Also, humility isn't you saying, oh, I stink. I'm the worst human on the planet. That's not humility either. Humility is just thinking of yourself less. And for the past 20 days, tomorrow we end our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, we've been, many of us have been fasting. And fasting is simply an act of humility because you're denying yourself of things that you really want. And this sounds crazy, but I really love, I really love coffee. Like, I really love it. I really love lattes and macchiatos. And that's something I fasted because it's something I crave. And um, it's something that I have given up as an act of just saying, God, I don't need that more than you. Um, That sounds really simple, but it's just something that I had to lay down. In Galatians 5, 16 through 18, it says, As you yield freely and fully to that dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. And I love this last part. It says, but when you are brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. When we allow the Holy Spirit to empower us, When we lay down our self-life, when we lay down our wants and our desires and our flesh and allow the Holy Spirit to do a work within us, we soar above every addiction. We soar above every passion that isn't pleasing to God. We soar above it all because he always gives us a way out. So we have to start low. In James 4.10, it says, be willing to be made low before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And that is simply saying, God, I have all these plans and these visions for my life, and I want these people to think I'm important, but God, I'm, I'm laying myself down today, and I'm saying, God, it's your will, and it's for your name and for your glory that I do anything. In John 3.30, it says, he must increase, but I must decrease and one of the best ways to do this is during our time of worship and I realize that many of you have come from different um, religious backgrounds and so lifting your hands is super uncomfortable or maybe getting on your knees and worshiping him is uncomfortable but can I tell you that worship isn't about us it's not about us it's about him It's about his name and his glory. And so when we worship him with abandonment, when we clap our hands, when we sing out praises to him, it's saying, God, this isn't about me. This isn't about me, but it's about you. When we don't freely worship, it does nothing but protect our egos. So we have to develop a life of worship and we have to develop a lifestyle of prayer and fasting and doing the things that say, God, you're bigger. You're bigger than me. I just, um, I know it's a lot. I gave a lot of scripture and a lot of things. And all of those notes are in um, the Bible U Version app. If you want to go on there and save that tonight, all the scriptures are there. Because I think this is something that you really we all really need to think on is God, what doors have I opened to the enemy in my life? I know that there are some of you in here tonight that you're like, Kim, I I just I just struggle. I just can't keep up with the rat race. I I have this addiction that I can't break free from. I I'm in this relationship that I shouldn't be in. I I watch pornography and I know that's Wrong, but I can't break free. The money is never enough. The likes are never enough. The titles are never enough. I can't stop wanting more. And tonight I want to know Jesus more. Man, my greatest desire for every single one of you in here still walk in the freedom that God's given you. And it's not in our power. We can't will it away. We cannot will our problems away. but we can't allow God to rise up within us and to give us the power to do the things that we know we need to do. He's just waiting. You know, he's just waiting for you to surrender and to say, okay, Lord, I'm gonna do it your way now because I promise that whatever that thing is that bothers you, that's so hard to let go of, that you get angry about when someone addresses you about it, that thing, God wants to give you something so much better. And that's what I learned. I learned that me staying in bondage, me continuing to believe the lies that I was worthless or that I deserved whatever I had, me continuing to walk in shame. That wasn't what God wanted for me. He was just waiting for me to say, God, I, I give this over to you and I want your name to be famous and I want you to get the glory. Because see, that's when people recognize that there's a difference in you. That's when the people in your life who know you, that you when you were walking down one path and you changed, that's when they point to you and say, okay, something's different about you. Right? And and maybe some of you are in here and you're like, Kim, I don't deal with big stuff. But we all deal with stuff. And one thing that has really hit me lately is that for a little while I, I began to believe this thing that even though we're Christians, we're still sinners, but that's not what the Bible says. We're not sinners, we're saints. It says the Holy Spirit comes to convict sinners of sin, but the, righteousness, the righteous of righteousness he comes to say, hey, you're headed the wrong way. You're better than that. I have a better way for you. I have a way out. And that is how he works. And so tonight, I just want everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads, no one looking around. And maybe you're in here and you say, Kim, I I don't have a relationship with Jesus, and I have been walking my own path. And tonight, I know that I need to take that step and surrender to him I want to be free. And if that's you in this room, I just want you to raise your hand and no one's looking around. I see you in the back. Yes, I see you over here to the left. You can put your hand down. Yeah, you can put your hand down. Anyone else? Just say, Kim, I have not been walking with Jesus and I know that I need him. All right. Well, if everyone will just repeat This prayer after me. God, forgive me of my sins. Put within me your righteousness. Make me whole. God, I lay down my life for yours. I want to make your name known. I want to experience your grace. I want to experience your mercy. And I want to experience everything you have for me. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. And I receive this gift today. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just celebrate with those who gave their lives to Jesus tonight? If you gave your life to Christ tonight. There's a card in the seat back in front of you. We want you to fill that out. You can also text the word salvation to 555-888 and also online. If you're watching, you can do the same. Um, But we want to walk with you. We don't want you to do this alone. Again, you need that accountability and someone coming alongside of you. And so we want to partner with you. But I just want to pray over all of us as a whole. Can we do that? Because I think Every single one of us in here have something that we just say, I need to be free from fill in the blank. Let me just pray a prayer over you. God, I pray that this place would be a house of liberty. God, I pray that this place would be a house of freedom where people walk in these doors and they don't just experience your salvation, but they experience the fullness of what you sent your son to die for. God, I pray that each and every person that is sitting in here today, that every chain would be broken, every bondage would be loose, and we just proclaim that we will not believe the enemy's lies or fall into his schemes any longer. God, we're gonna follow hard after you. We're gonna lay down our lives to surrender to everything that you have for us because we know that you can give us something so much greater than we can create for ourselves. God, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace and I thank you for the power that you have given every single one of us who call ourselves, Christians, who you call sons and daughters of God, I thank you that you've given us the power to walk in the fullness and the wholeness and the freedom that you have so freely given us. And God, we declare today that we will walk from a a place of victory, that we will win because you've already won. In Jesus' name, Amen. So I really want to encourage you. We're going to have prayer partners at each side of the stage, and we're going to go into one last time of worship. And listen, I encourage you, if you need someone to agree with you in prayer tonight, go pray with them. There is power in agreement with another believer. And so I just want to encourage you to take advantage of this last time that we have. Make sure and don't leave during this last song, though, because we have a really exciting announcement about um, just what happened at Summit in 2017. So stick around. I love you guys.